Book Two, Chapter Four of the Sworn Brothers, a tale of the early days of Iceland by Gunnar Gunnarsson, translation by Claude Field and W. M. A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Helga awoke in the night and heard the sound of oars in the fjord. She dressed hastily and went down to the landing place. It was full moon, but the sky was covered with dark masses of clouds. Out on the dark surface of the fjord the ships looked black and ghostly. A sudden fear made Helga's heart tremble. The ships came rowing so silently in the night. The stroke of the oars sounded so lonely in the stillness. Was the leaf with them? She counted the ships and found they were not the full number, but she could not distinguish them clearly and the larger ones might overshadow the smaller. How silently they rode! Would it not be better if she went home to bed? That would be where she would lie if she came to know that she would no more see Leif. She would never wish to get up again. The foremost ship rode into the somewhat broken moonlight on the surface of the fjord. Helga thought she could recognize it. Was that not Leif's dragon? She strained her eyes till they smarted, and ran down to the edge of the water. The ship over there was so dark and indistinct she could make out neither color nor shape. It glided nearer like a shadow. The water dripped in silvery drops from the oar-blades. A rift in the masses of clouds let the moon's pale light illumine the shore. Helga stood in it, thinking intently. Was Leif with them? That would be an almost incomprehensible happiness. And even if he were, still there would come a day when his ship would return without him, or his people would come some winter day carrying him on a bier, and there would be blood upon the snow. A time must come when Leif would be no more. Then she must die. Helga stood there bathed in the wan light of the moon, and gave herself away to her last breath. She embraced Leif with her soul, alive or dead. When the ships came quite near, she stepped quickly into the shadow of one of the boathouses. She would see if Leif was with them before she made a mistake. Rapidly the ships approached, rowed by long oars, keeping regular time. Yes, the foremost was Leif's dragon ship. Majestically it glided over the water, and there, yes, there on the poop stood Leif. Ah, Leif! Leif! Helga wept. She wept and was happy, but she quickly dried her eyes. See how Leif had exerted himself. He wished to be the first on shore. She could hear the excited tone of his voice when he gave the order, Inboard! Leif was impatient now. His movements were abrupt and hasty. He urged on his crew, and his voice became sharp. He could not wait. He could never wait the last moments. Leif! Leif! He did not guess that she stood there. Helda did not go out of the shadow and down to the ship. She saw the crew working with the long boat-hooks and pushing the landing plank out over the ship's side. She could just catch a glimpse of a man who went down it. And then came Leif running. How like him it was! When he was right opposite her, she went forward to meet him. Leif started, stopped, and stood. All his impetuosity ceased. "'Could you not see me?' asked Helga, with a smile that quivered. She felt so rich and happy, and came gradually nearer. Leif was not in a condition to answer or to say a word at all. 
He stood there, and that was all he could do. He could not even collect himself and kiss her. Helga came slowly close up to him, and laid her arms quietly round his neck. They drank a long kiss from each other's mouths, till their lips were sore. Leif wished to say something, but there was a lump in his throat. When he discovered that, he began to weep. Helga smiled and kissed him more fervently. Her fearless Viking was only a long, ungainly boy who wept. He stood and embraced Helga violently, but helplessly, and tears ran down his freckled, weather-tanned cheeks. Helga turned gently in his embrace. He thought she wished to be released and let her go. But Helga did not wish to be out of his arms. She only wished to turn so that they might walk side by side. She did not wish that anyone should find them there, and led him away. She wanted to have him for herself now that she had at last got him again, after an endless summer. And Leif let her have her way. He had forgotten everything else except that he had her again. They did not talk much. Only some hasty questions and quiet hasty answers were exchanged between them. They had, as it were, no time for more talk. There was silence between them, a good and happy silence. They had each other. In the house there was great excitement. Morning broke on an apparently hopeless confusion of men and women who chatted together, kissed, or only sent each other embarrassed and happy glances. There were also children of all ages who jumped and sang and quarreled together in little private combats, and men who carried loads from the ships to the house and sauntered back again in knots, talking vigorously. Ingolf went quietly to and fro and saw that the work was done. The ships had to be unloaded and the goods carried home to the house, and it was best to get it done soon. At this time of year the weather and the sea were not to be relied upon. Ingolf felt a sense of happiness and confidence at being home again. He relaxed a little the strict discipline which he generally maintained in all work, and granted each man sufficient time for embracing friends and for confidential talk. But if any one did not go to work of his own accord, when a reasonable time had passed, he called him by name in a friendly way and aroused him. No more was needed. The work went on vigorously. The men wanted it done as soon as possible. Ingolf had promised them a few days' holiday when the goods were in the house and the ships in the sheds. Orne came out, bent and aged, blinking with inflamed eyes in the garish light of morning. He gave such an immense yawn that his shaggy jaws cracked and shivered, chilled by the cold autumnal air. Old age had come upon him, bent his back, and gnawed the flesh from his limbs. When Ingolf saw him, he hastened to him. Now that he saw him again, after not having him daily before his eyes for several months, he suddenly realized how old and decrepit his father had actually become, and was seized by a strong feeling of sympathy. He whispered something as he passed in a man's ear. The man smiled and nodded, and ran down to the ship's. Then Ingolf hastened to his father, and greeted him with reverence and tenderness. The old man was always on his guard against too much friendliness. Old age had increased his mistrust of people. He was peevish and gruff. He returned his son's greeting very nonchalantly, and began with noticeable haste to question him concerning purely practical matters. 
had he all the ships with him how much had he allowed himself to be cheated he had not it was to be hoped brought an irish wife home with him how many of his men had fallen he had probably nothing creditable to report it seemed to ingolf that his voice had become remarkably high-pitched and strident and when ingolf had answered the old man repeated his questions time after time it suddenly occurred to ingolf that his father could no longer hear as well as before he had to raise his voice and he found it trying and embarrassing to have to change it orne noticed the change and shouted yes i no longer hear so well it is especially this ear here which is affected but it is worse with rodmar he is alive still but he has gone blind orne laughed with a snort that is still worse his laughter filled ingolf with discomfort then orne suddenly stopped laughing he had happened to cast a glance down towards the ships now he stood his glance became fixed and his eyes widened then he suddenly began to count and point at the same time with a crooked finger one two three when he had counted up to twenty he broke off and said to ingolf with a voice trembling with joyful emotion how many are there altogether ingolf smiled there are many he answered in a friendly tone i took care that you should not want wine father from the landing-place below there came a long line of men up towards the house each one trundling a barrel as though guided by his sense of smell rodmar came at the same moment tottering out of the house supported on two sticks and carefully feeling his way forward with his legs orne turned towards him and shouted in a high and excited voice now the barrels of red wine from the land of the franks are coming in a long line rolling up to the house cousin rodmar ah my eyes answered rodmar in a trembling and weak voice gladly would i have seen that sight but keep silent so that i can at any rate hear the wine slopping inside the barrels there was a great restlessness in orne's blood he took short steps and could not stand still with his crooked fingers he took hold of ingolf's cloak drew him down towards him and gave him a hasty kiss on his forehead then he tottered on stiff legs up to rodmar and clapped him on the shoulder with a trembling hand i cannot hear and you cannot see cousin but let us thank odin that we can both still taste isn't your tongue dry with knowing that there is so much wine close by mine rolls in my mouth like birch bark it was not long before the two aged kinsmen sat side by side in the high seat and tasted for the first time the red wine from the land of the franks which they had been waiting for during a whole long summer they drank the wine noisily let it fill their mouths and tasted it with satisfaction how do you like it asked orne between gulps rodmar gave himself barely time to answer it tastes good he answered hastily and drank but I miss seeing the color. Splash a little in your eyes, cousin, Orne answered and laughed. There they sat and became very cheerful later in the day. Long before the sun went down, they were asleep and snoring loudly. Drink had come to Dalsfjord. Not till towards evening did Ingolf find Leif and Helga. Ingolf embraced Helga and kissed her with much tenderness. 
"'Are you pleased with all the gifts, sister?' he asked with a smile. Helga looked with wide-open eyes first at him and then at Leif. Then she smiled without comprehension and a little uncertainty. Leif looked unhappy. "'I quite forgot them,' he stammered, blushing and embarrassed. Ingolf laughed loud and heartily, but Helga threw her arms round Leif's neck and kissed him tenderly before the eyes of her brother. End of Book Two, Chapter Four